For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDM Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demacos, Jake Arians, Jake, uh, Jake at the Lake, that's what he's going to be called uh, for the next couple of podcasts, and, and Jamie Eisner. Uh, if you could see Jake now, he's in full lake mode. He's got a Hurley hat on, a pastel teal colored shirt, and he looks like he's ready to hang out at the lake. And I am very jealous. I say all this to say that I'm very jealous because I've been to this lake, I've been to that house, and it's magnificent, and it's borderline the best place you could possibly be right now. So, Jake at the lake, everyone's jealous of you, but especially me. It is a 4th of July Hurley hat on in red, white, and blue, by the way, and all I got to do is walk five feet out the door to join the pool party that will be commencing with my two little nephews running around all over the place here in a minute, which has been awesome. So, sorry that I have to work from the lake, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm sure very, very sorry. Uh, but we will not make this podcast only about Jake at the Lake. We're going to talk running backs today. We got two shows on running backs this week. If you didn't listen to our quarterback show, that was last week's topic. We got two shows on QBs and we got two shows on running backs this week. This is my favorite position to talk about. So I'm very excited about these shows. But before we get into the rankings that Jamie has and and Jake coming up and saying whether or not he agrees or disagrees, we're going to talk about Cam Newton because after a long period of time of waiting, Cam Newton officially has a landing spot, and that landing spot is the New England Patriots. So, Jamie, when we talked about Cam, you know, what seems like forever ago because it was like in March and in April and where he was going to go and if he was going to get traded and what was his value and all of those discussion points. I can recall arguing with Chicago Bears fans saying, I did not want Cam Newton because he's not MVP Cam anymore, right? And the, the, what happened here with the Patriots is a low-risk deal, right? It's not a ton of money. But I think there is an assumption here that Cam can be MVP Cam. What are your expectations going into this year for Cam? And is there a potential for him to have any fantasy relevancy? Because he used to be one of the more relevant fantasy quarterbacks. As I've been saying on this podcast for what feels like weeks now, there are, we're speaking two different languages in the Cam Newton conversation right now, and both sides can't figure out how to have this communication there's a side that i think we have been on for the most part of saying we're not arguing about cam newton's talent he hasn't been healthy in two plus years there are plenty of concerns we have about his shoulder and those are very well founded and we have a lot of question marks going into the year then there's the other side that is thinking they're going to get mvp version cam newton who's going to step right back on the field for at that point whatever team but now new england just start slinging the ball down the field, running for 500 yards and seven touchdowns and just, you know, taking the league by storm. 
and there's been no like middle ground here. Uh, I'm intrigued by this as I was going to be intrigued by any team because I'd like to see what Cam Newton has because we haven't seen a healthy Cam Newton in a while. But to that point, we haven't seen a healthy Cam Newton in a while. And it, the Liz Frank injury is a major concern. The shoulder injury is a major concern. So I have a lot of questions. I think it, for the Patriots, it makes sense. To, it's a low-risk deal, incentive-laden. You don't have a proven option right now, so there's no reason, there's no reason that you wouldn't want to bring in competition, even if Stidham's going to be your guy long-term. Nothing wrong with putting him in a little competition, especially right now. I, I, again, I'm intrigued by it. I think Belichick oftentimes is, and I love Bill Belichick. Um, this is not, I'm not anti-Belichick, but sometimes he gets credit for just waking up in the morning as if that is something more dramatic than every other coach that wakes up in the morning. He has his faults. He makes mistakes. They have a lot of signings that don't work out as well. So not, it, there's always this tendency whenever the Patriots sign somebody that's always going to work out 100% of the time and it's going to be great. It's worthwhile risk. I think for fantasy purposes, I'd be willing to take a chance on him somewhere in the mid to late teens at the QB spot. So not a QB one, but I think there's the chance that, you know, on certain weeks, certain upside, maybe uh, if you're getting into the, you know, you're getting into the Daniel Joneses and Derek Carrs and Joe Burrows of the world. I think at that point, if you want to take a risk on him, sure. That's not where you're going to have to draft him. He's going to get drafted as a QB one very soon as, as we'll see that ADP skyrocket as uh, these systems that track that start to catch up as more leagues have their drafts since Cam Newton is signed. So I'm not going to have any shares of him at that sort of price, but I'm intrigued by it. It's a worthwhile chance, but I think everybody who thinks that they know that this is all of a sudden going to propel the Patriots back to the playoffs and the Super Bowl and all the other stuff. I think that they're just speaking a different language uh, than we're speaking. And it's, I like Cam Newton. Uh, I love the player. I love watching him play, but I have no idea what we're going to get when Cam Newton is, even if he, wins the starting job. No idea what we're going to get from week one from Cam Newton when he steps on the field because it's been a long time since he's been healthy. And he has two major injuries that have long-term effects on his shoulder and his foot that are going to factor into his play regardless. We just don't know how much. So uh, I'm tempering my expectations. I'm intrigued, but I'm not ready to pronounce Patriots the greatest, the greatest team in the NFL this year now because they got Cam Newton. No middle ground, Jamie. So basically like everything else that anybody could talk about in the world recently, there's no middle yeah. ground for anybody to talk about. Uh, and Golik and Wingo are one of them who I love, but Trey Wingo was saying this is the most Belichickian thing ever that he's playing champions chess while everybody else is playing connect four or something like that. You're not playing connect four by not signing Cam Newton. There's no reason he lasted till June 26th or whatever it was till he signed. Other than there are major concerns. Yes. They paid him pennies on the dollar. I'll give you all that. And that's a Belichickian thing to do. You're all assuming he's going to be the starter. He is going to look bad at practice compared to Jared Stidham. You can laugh at that all you want, but if you've ever seen Stidham throw, he can flat sling it. He can spin it in quarterback terms. And Cam Newton cannot. When Cam Newton was MVP Cam, was Cam an elite thrower of the football? No. No, not even, no, not even close. Was Cam Newton an elite runner, athlete, ran his own yeah, offense? Superman and Cam. Very, Superman, that's what they he was. Played, they played Yes, they played very complimentary football. He's 260 pounds with a Liz Frank injury. Show me one player in the history of the NFL who's come back and been the same player after a Liz Frank surgery. One. I just want to hear one. Whoever's listening to this, hit me up later on. I want to know one. And I, I might be one or two. It was the exactly the same before. By the way, if your foot size is a 13 and you weigh 180 pounds, or your foot size is 100 and you're 260 pounds and you wear 13, it's the same bones in that foot. He's 260 pounds. If he loses 10 pounds, he's a phenomenal shape. He's a freak athlete. We all know that. That bone is not any bigger in his foot than other people that break it. It's not any stronger. Like it, it is a huge 
huge issue for Cam to be Cam. Because if you can't do that, now you're telling me all of a sudden he's an elite passer. Oh, damn, there's those two shoulder surgeries and he can't throw to the right, which doctors have proven, because the shoulder's not the same. And he's going into a place where it's, they're not just going to build this offense for him. He's going to have to learn this offense. Jared Stidham's going to be the starter in week one with this crazy preseason we're going to have. I don't know what his fantasy value is, but I'm not touching it with a damn 10-foot pole. Jamie, you can get all the shares you want, and I hope somebody's dumb enough in our leagues, all my leagues, to take him early. I don't, I don't know what you're going to get. If he is the starting quarterback there and he can't be shotgun read option cam, what is he? They don't have any outside weapons, so they could kind of build that around him, but they just signed him. This, is, this signing didn't happen in March. They didn't have the last three or four months to build an offense around what Cam Newton can do. He's going to have to learn what they have built. They can add some stuff here and there, but that's assuming they like what they see when he comes in, which isn't happening for another month, not till July 28th. I just, there are way too many question marks for anybody to get credit for this. And because Bill Belichick waited to the end of June, all of a sudden he's a genius. No, everybody else in the league wasn't interested. That's why it lasted to the end of June. One, yeah, I, I said I thought he was going to retire because I didn't think there was any way in hell he was going to come be a backup and not make – so I think there's still like a weird thing there. No, I think Jamie was the one originally who brought it up, right, who was like this might be the year Cam Newton might end up retiring, right? And, and I I was – at first I heard it and I kind of like simmered on a little bit and I was like, no, it makes a ton of sense because I didn't think he was going to take this deal. That's it. I didn't think that Cam was going to take this New England Patriots deal. I just didn't think that that was going to be on the table for him because at a certain point, ego is involved. And I just, I didn't think that that was going to happen. Why Jake is a uh, borderline upset slash Jamie, the same for all of us is you're getting credit for something that there shouldn't be credit for yet, right? You can get credit for this, Bill Belichick, if we get to November, December, and the Patriots are in first place at the division and Cam Newton's the starting quarterback and you're looking and you're going, damn, that was a hell of a signing back in June. But there is just as much of a chance, if not a greater chance, that he is, one, not the starting quarterback, two, this team sucks with or without him, okay, and they're not in first place, and this deal doesn't end up being a good deal. And I think arguably there's a much better chance that that is the case than there is that this all works out because there's so many variables. And that's why when I read this and I saw I was, I was moving this weekend and I'm laughing because I'm getting Kyle, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino who are both very invested in the Patriots sucking right? Because they have been waiting for this to happen for so long. And Joe lives in Charlotte. So he knows firsthand who Cam can be. And I texted both of them. And I said, both of you need to chill out because this isn't Superman Cam. It's also like Jake said, it's the, it's all like July one. He hasn't been a part of this offense. Oh, by the way, this offense kind of sucks already with or without him as far as weapons and offensive line and everything else that's around him. And this offense going to be built for Cam in what, four weeks? What, before, the start, before they start the season? I mean, it's just, there's way too much, there are way too many variables. If, if this happened in March, I would feel totally differently. 
but the timing of this sucks for Cam, and it sucks for the Patriots if they're thinking he can be the starter day for week one. It's just impossible. There's no way he's the starter week one. No, one, I'll say, I'd be the first one to say in November that if I'm wrong, I'll be a Mike Gundy, I'm a 40, I'm a man, and I'm wrong, okay? <laughs> I will say it. I'll be on I, – I, I'll play devil's advocate to myself. I think right now they're, they're not going to suck. Their defense is too good. Bill Belichick's too good. They could hand it off 40 times a game and be in a lot of games to 13 to 10. They're not going to suck. They might be 500, which sucks for the, the Patriots. I think their best chance to win, if I'm playing devil's advocate here, is if you want to throw Stidham out, which you've already been all behind him until now, and you want to build this around Cam, if Cam can be 80% of Superman Cam, if he can be like Ant-Man Cam and not Superman, like they can go in the shotgun, run a read option, play very complimentary football with that defense, play really good special teams. The problem is if Cam's only 80% of the passer that he was before and he's not 140% of the passer that he was before, he's bottom three in the league. He was bottom five yeah. before as a passer. So if he can't run and they're not building this as a read option thing for Cam and he can't run like he could before, which I don't think there's any way he's going to be able to with that foot. I just don't. I just don't see how it's successful. I, I don't see the same thing. Golik and Wingo. This this ch- this changes the balance the balance of power in the AFC East back to the Patriots. How? How? Break it down for me and show me how. I just don't get it. I mean, we have. He's a big dude that took a lot of hits. I mean, you ask me which quarterback is proving something to themselves and has the best chance of doing it between Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and Cam Newton are the ones that are changing teams later on after being superstars. The first two I mentioned have a hell of a lot better chance of doing it than Cam Newton does, in my opinion. It's just the way that he plays. There's not a lot of offenses that fit it. And he's got to be healthy. And I just don't think he's going to be. That's the other question, too. I mean, how many games are you going to get out of, out of Cam Newton? The biggest, and, and the biggest under, part. Again, these are two major injuries that are key components to his game and and again it's not saying that he can't ever come back but is he going to come back and be healthy is he going to be able to throw the way he wants to and the same thing is we've seen a lot of players when they lose an element of the game or lose a little bit of an element of the game how quickly can they adjust to that fact how quickly can they adjust their game to make up for parts that they have lost I don't have the answer to that. I, I just, to me, there's just, there are too many unknowns here. And again, it's a worthwhile risk for New England at the, at the cost they paid with all the incentives in there. It's absolutely a worthwhile totally risk. Agree. Totally I just agree. think it we're jumping the gun a little bit here to just to act like they signed, you know, one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league on at the end of June and are all of a sudden going to be great. Um, you know, again, it's a worthwhile risk. Both things can be true, and I, and I know it's hard yes. to come to a, a, the middle on anything well, in this world I agree anymore. with that, by the way. Yeah, it's worth the risk. I agree with you, Jamie. But there's yeah. no guarantee. And, there's, no. But, and I, I feel like it's – I don't know why that seems like it's a hot take to say that. I know you, we're supposed to always be on one side or the other with nothing in the middle, as we just talked about. But uh, I'm intrigued. I'm excited to watch him play. Uh, I'm ex- if he gets the opportunity to be the starter, uh, if he wins that job, then I'll be more, even more optimistic to see what he can do in week one. But right now, I still have a lot of question marks about it. And I still think the Bills are the best team in the division. And I think for those of you that are been saving some of your future money, let's wait and see what, at certain sports books, what the, uh, what the Bills' odds to win the division are because they were favored or they were like right even with the Patriots for a while. I bet you you can probably get them at two to one or maybe even a little bit more now for the Bills to win after this hype. So that might be a good little play for you, those that uh, like to bet on NFL futures. Here, here's the one other thing, Jamie, you mentioned. If, how many games are you getting? That is such a vital component to, this, to this, this conversation. Well, I agree. There's no risk. 
It's a great move by the Patriots. But if you make him the starter week one, and that foot feels great after all this time off, and that shoulder feels okay, and he plays four or five games, and you've built this offense around read option, cam, moving the pocket, all that kind of stuff, and he gets hurt, and that foot goes out, what do you do then? Because you've now built this entire thing off of him, the ability to have Cam as your quarterback. And, yes, Stidham played in the same offense at Auburn, but he shouldn't have. He's an elite passer that went to the wrong college after transferring from Baylor, right? He is a prototypical NFL guy that can sling it. Now, he'll know how to do all that stuff, but he's not Cam when it comes to that. So if Cam is your guy week one, he wins this job. I am on record saying I don't think he will. But if he does and then he gets hurt, or he can't be the same guy, and you got to bench him. And don't think for a second Bill Pelichick won't bench him if he can't get it done. Do you then change the offense completely in a week to go back to Stidham? I think it's easier to change it for Cam later on if he comes in and Stidham can't do it or he's turning it over too much than it is to change the whole thing for Cam now. It's a vital component to this because I, I don't know. There's only so many days in a week to get this stuff done. And you got a guy that's learning a brand-new offense or how much of that are you changing to him? I, I don't know. There's just too many question marks to it. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks. And mostly the other component of this is just from an attitude slash the way Cam handles himself. All of that stuff factors into not – I don't see how that fits in with Belichick. It's my way or the highway. I run the org. Like, there's just a, there's a lot of question marks, right? And that plays a factor, too. Because if you think that that attitude and all that stuff's going to fly inside that locker room, it's a different locker room, right? Like that's Ron Rivera was hands off. Let Cam be Cam, blah, blah, blah. Nobody gets to be anybody in New England. Like nobody. It doesn't matter who you are. Like that's Bill Belichick's show and that's it. So I, I don't know. I think there's, there's a lot of question marks and it could work out and it could be fantastic. But I think if I was betting – which way it was going to go. I think there's more factors that lean towards it not working out than it working out. Um, and that's the, where, where we land is like Jamie and Jake both joked about is that nobody's allowed to be in the middle on this show. You're allowed to be in the middle because more often than not, most of us are right here going, yeah, okay. It could work out and it could be okay, but it could also not work out. Right. It's really risky. It's not risky. But it could also be terrible, but there's no risk involved. So we're right in the middle, right? And I know that that's hard for people because usually I need to have a hot take and stand and scream and be, Cam Newton, MVP, go nuts. No, like, no, I'm not going to do that. And neither are either of the two of you. So this, this podcast is about – Not for this. Uh, not for this. <laughs> I've got no problem standing up and screaming for stuff, but I'm not doing it for you this. Got, yeah, we're here to drive the Carson Wentz bandwagon. Uh, we've had we've had different things in the past. Jamie's dr Jamie's driven the uh, Cooper Cup bandwagon in the past. We've got we've got certain players we are willing to be all in on, but the hit rate for us being right on those guys, pretty good. So maybe maybe stick around and hang out in the middle with us. Uh, but we're gonna jump into these. You want you have something to say, Jamie? Well, before we point. jump off. S sometimes it's okay to say I don't know in analysis there's Amazing. a lot i don't know right now about cam newton's health i don't know why i haven't seen him on the field healthy in almost two years um i don't know and i think just the this automatic assumption that you're always going to get either the best of or the worst of any given player when we talk about them depending on whatever your opinion is of it 
is is crazy. I, I think what we're trying to do is give you the scenarios here and what's most likely to happen. And what's most likely to happen is that this either is an okay signing and the Patriots kind of move along and you get, like Jake said, 80% of Cam and it's just, you know, it is what it is or that it doesn't work out. That's more likely. That's not saying there's no chance it works out. It's not, we're not saying that. We're just saying that's not likely to happen. And it feels like the collective narrative around this signing is that all of a sudden that because it's New England and because it's the Patriots that, oh, this is going to work out swimmingly. And I know everybody has like this like uh, inherent fear of the Patriots being good again, because everybody's kind of come to terms with, okay, the, 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 the run is finally over, but don't let that creep into your analysis of the player and the situation because the Patriots make plenty of mistakes. Um, and oh, by the way, it was a very convenient uh, backdrop for them getting punished again for cheating. Oh, you mean in Lake sliding it under the radar in oh, the yeah. end of June when nobody's paying attention that they lost a third round pick and a big and a million final. dollars and yeah. all this other yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was that. And don't don't think for a second they're going to suck. I'm on. They're going to beat teams they're not supposed to beat. And they're going to be in the wild card hunt when it's all over with. Do I think they're going to get there? No, I think they're just going to miss out. But yeah, they're going to be in. Like, so, and here's the other thing with Cam. I'll say this: Superman Cam, MVP Cam was one year. And he got hot, and he was spectacular. And he had that run. They made it to the Super Bowl, and they got dusted. Before that, he was an extremely explosive, unique, fun, exciting player. But he was really, really unique. And he was not near the passer that Michael Vick was as a running quarterback that Lamar Jackson is already. Lamar Jackson was a better passer coming out of college than Cam was. He's a better passer at this point in his life than Cam was, or that Cam is. That unique player has to go back to being that but he wasn't always MVP cam. There was a lot of mistakes that were made in there. He was just such a freak human being and athlete size. And that uniqueness was hard as hell to play against. If he's not all of that, he's not the same guy. That's my point. It's just like, you, you can't say MVP cam. Like it was last like he year. Had five of them I know. Or, or that he had like five. He had one. Well, and it was an awesome look- season, but like to play to that level is going to be, in my opinion, damn near impossible. And, and to get out in front of this now, just before anybody says anything, the difference between why we're, we're there's a lot of differences, but like the, one of the biggest things is but recently seeing what a player did before they got hurt. Ben Roethlisberger led the league in passing the year before he got hurt. Okay. So yes, there's a risk that Ben Roethlisberger at his age could always could suffer an injury. But the difference is, is we immediately saw that prior to that one elbow injury, he was leading the league in passing. This is not just one injury. This is not just one season. And obviously, they're completely different players and different style. But beyond all of that, just to, to boil it down, multiple injuries, multiple years of concern versus a player that was, again, leading the league in passing before he injured his elbow. So I, I just, again, I, I'm intrigued. I want to see, I, yes. from a fan perspective, I would like to see what a healthy Cam Newton would look like. And play football again. I want to see Cam that, Newton but, on the Patriots with Bill Belichick yeah, healthy. I love that. It's damn intriguing. That. There's no doubt about that. But I think it's fair to be have it's fair to have some reservations, and I feel like that is not happening uh, around the football community at the moment. To my original point, Jamie Carson Palmer had a Tommy John, came back, was still an elite passer. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have Tommy John. He had a less surgery. He's healthier than he's been in ten years. That elbow was there for a long time. It was up and down, and it finally went. He's going to come back and be fine. Guys have had elbows reconstructed and still been extremely elite passers. My original point, show me a dude that has a Liz Frank surgery and came back and been the same player in the NFL. I can't think of one. I'm not saying that they don't exist, 
but all of the guys that I've ever seen, it's like a death sentence to ever be in the same player. And most of them are receivers, tight ends, whatever it is, not 260-pound running quarterbacks. It's also Cam Newton's never been an elite passer, end quote. Like, that's just never happened. He's never been, he's never been an elite passer, period, end of story. That's never been a part it's of It's just not his game. It's just not, no, it's, it's fine. He, he was, he's, his game was his game, but there's not a lot of teams that run that system, and you have to build it around him. And to do that, he's got to be the same guy, which I think is going to be really, really hard. And that's why, as it was happening, I can recall many conversations going, better enjoy this because this is not going to last long term because his body could only take playing like that for so long because he put himself, he took so many hits. That dude, I used to be such a tough dude, man. Took so many hits, but your body cannot do that. It cannot sustain that at the quarterback position for that long. And that's why we've seen the multiple injuries, the breakdown of who he is, because he cannot play like that anymore. This is so intriguing. I keep coming up with stuff. Could, could <laughs> we see – no, this, this, this has actually gotten me kind of, like, excited because could we see this? Could we see Jared Stidham as the starter, right? Okay. But it's third and two, and Cam has a package. Almost oh, yeah. i.e. Lamar Jackson is rookie year. Cam's coming in to run the read option third and two. First and goal from the one. First and goal from the nine. Almost wildcat, but with Cam as the dude. Like, if you get a version of Cam that that's his role on the Patriots and he wants to win, but Jared Stidham's the starting quarterback, I can fathom that. I can see that. I can wrap my arms around that because that goes back to being unique and very damn intriguing when you start talking about the genius of Belichick and McDaniels and all the stuff they've done through the years. I can see that. I can wrap my head around that. It's like now that like we're, this is so intriguing. You just keep thinking about ways you could see it. I can see that. I can fathom that having 10, 12, 15 plays a game, but that's what's Cam Newton we're talking about. Like that's a very diminished role. That would take a very humbled teammate Cam Newton. There's no scarf around the head post game press conference with sunglasses on for a dude that has, you know, 12 snaps a game playing quarterback. But yeah, as I mean, football that- goes, man, I'd love to see that. Yeah, from a pure football standpoint, it's extremely intriguing. Reminds me of um, a little bit like the McNabb-Michael Vick run there with the Eagles for a brief period of time before McNabb got hurt and ended up getting shipped off to Washington where, you know, they were, they were bringing in Vick on certain packages and then figuring out how to make that work. And it, it would be interesting to see how they do it. And, and uh, again, I'm intrigued. Look, if Ken Newton's going to have success, I think this is, this is going to be a good opportunity for him because he can win the starting job when there were only a few places in the league right now where that was a realistic possibility. Uh, especially with a shortened off season. So it'll be extremely intriguing to watch, but uh, again, I'm excited to see it, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, We'll see. I'm so intrigued with what Jake brought up. That's the theme of this podcast, the intrigue podcast. I am so intrigued by what Jake brought up because it's so Patriots that they would do something like that. But I, the big outlier is can you get cam to dial in to be in that version of himself? But to be fair, I didn't think he would take a contract like this. So maybe that humble, maybe there's been something that's happened throughout this process that's changed Cam and maybe that, maybe he'll buy into that. And if that happens, that's worst case scenario from a fantasy perspective because good freaking luck trying to guess what's going to happen on the goal line with the freaking New England Patriots because that's already been something where I've, I've just said, I don't draft any of their running backs because on any given day, he could sit one, bench one, not suit up one, and this will just add another layer of that to, to, to chaos. 
one last note before we get off this topic. Um, <laughs> it, it's also, and, and again, I, I'm not still not going to draft him, but I think it makes things a little bit more. I don't think it really changes many of the other players on the Patriots rankings. Um, in my mind, the only one that where I get a slight boost, I think would be Nikhil Harry, although I'm still not drafting him because Cam Newton does have a lot of experience throwing to receivers who literally cannot get any separation. So I think that would be a little, uh, that's a slight injury. Again, we're talking maybe around wide receiver 80. So I, we are t- super deep leagues, but um, I still think Edelman is a guy that's in the wide receiver three-ish range. He's not going to get the same size sort of volume or anything else. Um, same thing with White and Michelle. So I'm not really changing anybody's rankings, but um, if you were looking for a reason, maybe in a dynasty league to be more, a little bit more optimistic about Nikhil Harry after just a very rookie season, um, that might be one is that if he's the starter, I mean, he was throwing to Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches and making those guys productive. So uh, it's always possible. I love, we could, the thing that's happened here is that all of us are just so damn excited to talk about football. Right. It's just so it's so exciting to be able to do that. And so I think we could have we could have done an entire podcast strictly on Cam Newton intrigue and all the different scenarios that could have played out. But we will talk running backs. We're going to get into this list. We're going to go through 20 of these guys. And I think there's quick breakdowns, whether or not you agree with it. Uh, We're going off of Jamie's ranking. So you should check these all out. If you're a premium member, you get access to high-level projections. You're getting access to much, much more than we're diving into. Um, Jamie's done super comprehensive work for everybody who plays fantasy football. And quite frankly, I think we could all use the distraction at this point. It feels good to talk about fantasy and look at some of this stuff uh, and have some daydreams. So, Jamie, number 40, Duke Johnson coming in in your rankings uh talk about duke johnson and and whether or not i guess jake uh, agrees with you here yeah he's kind of the guy that's been a little bit forgotten because david johnson's getting all the attention following them trading their best player for him all right at least best non-quarterback player for him depending on where you fall on that debate uh but he duke johnson was their pass catching back for a while there he's going to be on the field jake has mentioned that david johnson can line up outside can line up in the slot which means duke johnson's going to be in the backfield for those opportunities so uh I, I still think he's going to get a pretty decent uh, amount of targets and a pretty decent, I think he might actually even be able to compete with David Johnson in terms of total targets. He's going to be in the more traditional parks out of the backfield role while David Johnson might be used all over the field when healthy, which we'll see how long that, that, that can last. Ho- hopefully he can, but it's something that's a concern still. But I think Duke Johnson is going to have a tremendous opportunity with being able to continue to catch passes, having familiarity in that offense after being there for a little bit. Oh, and by the way, he's got a fairly injury-prone running back in front of him and no real clear competition behind him. So that's a very intriguing spot for me. So he is definitely somebody that I would like to be targeting late in drafts if I have room on my bench because there are going to be certain weeks, especially during bye weeks, where he might push up into that flex territory. Uh, and he's a, not, not necessarily a handcuff, but a good player to have uh, in case something happens to David Johnson as well. Yeah, I've got him just outside my top 40, like 43, 44. So very similar, very close. Uh, and you, you hit the nail on the head on the, all the reasons why. A very productive player. He catches it really well out of the backfield too. So I think a lot of his value there is in PPR formats where he's going to get some of those catches if David Johnson does split out. I think you're going to see them both in the backfield together and one's going to go in motion. And either one of them is going to be a, ma- a mismatch for a lot of people. Uh, so, you know, that's tough. But I got him just outside my top 40, but very, very similar ranking where Jamie's got him. 
All right, number 39 on the list here. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jake talk about this one first because he should be able to break down uh new Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back Kashawn Vaughn and uh coming out of Vanderbilt. You've got him 39 here, Jamie. Uh Jake, do you have him in your top 40? Uh, I do not. I've got him around 50, and I'll just jump on a guy we'll talk about in a little while, and that's Ronald Jones. I've got a lot higher uh, than Jamie's got him at 32. I think it's Ronald Jones' backfield. I think Ronald Jones runs for over 1,000 yards. I think he's you know in that 30-catch range. I think Keyshawn uh, could catch a bunch of balls. I think he could play, but I think it's more injury risk on Ronald Jones' part than it is splitting time immediately like Peyton Barber's done in the past. I think uh, Rojo has really kind of cemented himself as the guy with this coaching staff. They love what they saw last year, his yards per carry. He's just really, really explosive. And to have a rookie with an abbreviated offseason, I I think there's going to have to be an injury there to Rojo for him to get anywhere in the top 40. So I got him closer to 50. He's going to be part of the team. He's going to be part of their plan. But Rojo is kind of the guy, in my opinion. I I expect him to have over 1,000 yards. Yeah, for me, for Vaughn, I, I actually agree for the most part. I mean, there's not a huge difference between like 39 and uh, like 45 or something in my rankings. But to me, I think the big point is, is his ranking there is only building in the chance that either there's a Rojo injury and there's no clear other option, especially on first and second downs, or if that Rojo is somehow just massively ineffective, which I don't expect. The, the Tampa Bay running back I want is Ronald Jones. But uh, I think it's at least worthwhile throwing him in here at this point the problem is going to be is his ADP is 10 spots higher than this. He, he's going inside the top 30 running backs right now. So that there's, I'm not going to have any shares of him at, at that level at all. Uh, but, to, but to me, it's – look, he's very intriguing if Jones gets hurt. But otherwise, I think you're going to spend a lot of the season – to me, if you get him, you're looking at him to maybe be a player that can turn it on a little bit later and be a flex play for you late in the season. I don't think you're going to get much from him early in the year. Um, as we talked about on the show last year, as Jake talked about on the show last year, and I will mention again this year, uh, rookie running backs come along slowly in Bruce Arians' offenses. And even somebody like David Johnson, who felt like he was getting a touchdown or a big play every time he touched the ball, didn't start a game until week 13. So I, I think everybody needs to slow down. I know this finding the, the Tampa Bay running back has now been, this is now a two-year mission in the fantasy community to find the Tampa Bay running back. But we need to calm down a little bit here. If I had to take one of the two, it's clearly Ronald Jones for me. Um, and even at 39, that's considered low, uh, according to ADP right now. So I, I will not have any shares of him. Yeah, that's kind of shocking, actually, that you're saying his ADP is that high. I mean, that's a lot of people that didn't watch film of Ronald Jones last year, who they kept the handcuffs on a little bit as he, because he's a really young guy, came out of SC after a ton of production. You'd think he would have been a 22, 23-year-old guy. He wasn't. He's just now there. So they, they really wanted to bring him and his maturity along. And they did that last year. But if you watch film, the dude can be an elite runner. And they're going to need that. They're not just going to go back and drop it back 50 times and throw it. Uh, I expect a big year from Ronald Jones. I think you're also seeing a reflection of people projecting what happened to David Johnson onto Kashawn Vaughn right? They're looking at, oh, okay, a mid-round guy that you could take, and he's going to turn into this and Bruce Arians' offense and blah, blah, blah. I think that's there's probably a little bit of that happening as well. So it's a lot of mouths to feed, feed in Tampa Bay, man. There's a lot of good, lot of good offensive weapons there. So, Jamie, here's, I think that's- Here's where people, a lot of people are seeing, and I think they're forgetting about Dare. Tom Brady always has that Kevin Falk, James White guy. 
And I think a lot of people are expecting Vaughn to be that from where he was drafted. He's really more of an all-around running back than that. Now, maybe he develops into that. Maybe Brady loves him in that aspect. But I have a feeling Dart is still going to be the third down guy. Picks up the blitz really well. Maybe not as, as, as explosive out there, but he catches it really well. as He wasn't James White when he was out there, but he picked up the blitz. Brady knew that he knew where, where to be at all times and that he could find him when he needed to. I think a lot of people are putting that on Vaughn too early. I hope he develops into that because if he does, that would be awesome because he's a game breaker. But to expect that early, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, nobody would be happier about that than I think Jake on this podcast if that ends up happening. So we'll we'll definitely check in on that. And there's also the rookie factor plays into how we're evaluating as we go throughout this process. All right, Darius Geis, a guy a lot of people had a lot of excitement about, right? Has had injury issues. Jamie, what are your what's your overall evaluation of him going into this year? Well, I, I think the the ranking here reflects that I, I haven't projected to play eleven games. Um, I I feel like it's optimistic to go too much more than that. Um, Obviously he has tremendous upside and flash, but he's also a fairly crowded backfield. I think Adrian Peterson is still going to be uh, the guy that leads the Redskins and carries this year because of a lot of the injury risks that they have uh, with some of these other players. But uh, again, I I like the player. I like the talent, but he's got to show that he can stay on the field consistently and then come back and not suffer another lower body injury uh, two, two or three games into his run. So Love the talent, but not somebody that I think I'm going to take in fantasy just because I don't know how often I'm going to be able to use him. I agree wholeheartedly. I tell you guys all the time, running backs in year one after an ACL, don't touch them. They cannot. It's just almost impossible to be the same guy other than Adrian Peterson when he did it. Nobody else has been the same guy. We're now in year two, and that little bit of a scope that he had later and he came back from late in last season doesn't bother me at all. I expect him to be more of the player that they drafted. This is year two. But it's a very crowded backfield. And Adrian Peterson still looks like the fountain of youth is still running through those giant hands and friggin' the veins of that man. Uh, so he's definitely there. And they've got other guys, too. Uh, guys is probably the, the best and the, has the most upside, but he's got to stay healthy to do it. Speaking of crowded backfields, uh... Philip Lindsay is a guy that I'm really excited about uh, in the last couple of years, but this year, not so much, not as much as in the years past. I loved having him on my team. Uh, he was a guy that he, he just ran. So like he, Jake has described him like how he runs and he's so small and he does so much. And there was so much excitement about Freeman. And then Lindsay was just there and he just was good. But now you've got, Freeman and Lindsey and Melvin Gordon, all there in that backfield, and it's crowded. So, Jamie, even though we know the Denver Broncos want to run the football, those are three mouths to feed, and that is a nightmare if you're trying to decide who you're going to pick in fantasy. Yeah, and this time I will uh, I'll promote somebody else's article on the Draft Network. Trevor did a Trevor Sikkerman did a breakdown and kind of looked at how Pat Shermer has used uh, some of his the running back situations he's been dealt with before. And his conclusion was that while he has shown some tendencies to split, he does also like to very much lean more heavily on one guy. And if they're going to lean heavily on one guy, it's going to be the guy that just paid a bunch of money to come in and the guy that's been a hell of a running back when he's been on the field the last few years, and that's Melvin Gordon. So. That's my concern with Philip Lindsay. Uh, as long as he is still in that Denver backfield, which doesn't look like he's getting traded anytime soon, I can't, I can't put him into not only running back two range, but he's not quite even in flex range for me in single flex formats. Uh, I, I still like him, but I think, you know, I haven't projected for about 140 carries, and I think that's what you're going to get. You'll get good production out of those carries, but 
the volume is going to matter. And I, I just don't see how you can feel comfortable um, with him anywhere other than your bench. Uh, I think it's worthwhile considering that Gordon doesn't have a terrible injury history, but he's got a little bit of it and he's a running back and, and it's going to make sure that it hap- those things tend to happen. And we know what he could do in that offense. Um, so he's pretty safe uh, as a backup option. But to me, he's, it's, as sad as it is, he, he can't be more than a bench guy for me. Here's what I'm thinking, and I'm hoping for Philip Lindsay. And I actually want shares of Philip Lindsay for the first time in a few years at the right price. If he falls down some boards, I'm going to be very interested to see if he could take up an Austin Eckler role behind Melvin Gordon with the Chargers, almost exclusively as a pass catching. They're going to be in the shotgun a lot. He runs it great out of shotgun. He catches it really well. I think Royce Freeman could take some of the carries away from Melvin Gordon to keep him healthy. I think they might transition that role to try to keep Philip Lindsay healthy is really more the game breaker in this offense. If that's the case in PPR formats, I absolutely want shares of it. This team's going to have to win close games, but they're going to be in the shotgun a ton. Drew Locke is better in the shotgun. They just drafted all these receivers for these weapons. I like that aspect of it. So if you think of him just as a running back and the role that he's had in the past, I don't like it. There's too many mouths to feed. There's too many guys going. But if you think that Royce Freeman could back up Melvin Gordon as a running back, and then he has that Tom Brady-James White role, or Austin Eckler backing up Melvin Gordon and, and the, with the Chargers. I'm all for it. And if he's falling down boards, I will snatch him up for a flex role in that situation all day long. Yeah, he's definitely – you know you know you're going to get – that guy is one of the toughest dudes while you're watching him play. And that – this is one of the things why we got to see what happens in training camp, right? Like that's part of the reason – like I know we're going to get an abbreviated version slash a weird version of this, but this is a new – adds a new complexity to this offense. Uh, and Jamie, I know you wanted to jump in on Philip Lindsay, so the floor is yours. Well, talking about draft value, right now he's coming off the boards as the running back 40. So uh, you're going to be able to get him at a very decent value there. Yeah, that is. That's very, very, very good value. All right, moving on, number 36. We talked about this guy a lot because there is potential for holdout up above him. Alexander Madison, you have as 36 on your board, Jamie. Uh, defend Mr. Madison in your ranking here. Uh, I think he deserves to be in this flex conversation, whether or not Cook holds out or not. And we've talked about significantly about what his role is in this offense. Uh, in games that, they, that Cook was active in last season, uh, Madison rushed more than 20, had more than 23% of the carries. And that includes the game Madison was out. So he obviously had 0% of the carries in that game. Uh, so he's basically getting a quarter of the carries last year in games Cook was starting. Uh, and you have Cook's injury history that's very extensive. You had this potential holdout, and you have the fact that Madison's looked really, really good in the opportunities he's been given. Um, you know, if he's on the field for 16 games or even 15 games, which is where I have him projected for, he's going to have some big weeks, and he's going to be a factor, and he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to play in a flex spot. Obviously, when Cook, if Cook's not out there, you're, gonna, you're starting him as a mid-level RB2 probably, if not a high-level RB2, but he's going to have some flex ability even with Cook on the field. So he's definitely somebody I'm targeting whether or not – I mean, I think he's a must-add if you have Dalvin Cook and you take that risk and draft him, but I think he's somebody you should target even if you don't have him. Uh, I, I kind of detailed on, at thedraftnetwork.com the path to how he could actually finish as a top 30 running back uh, and how it – between the holdout, between Cook's injury history, how it's very possible – uh, given what we've seen in an early career, that he can get to that role. So he is somebody I'm a little bit higher on than ADP. Uh, and if Cook ends up coming to a deal, his ADP is going to slip. And I think that's what that's, uh, becomes a tremendous buying opportunity if you have your draft later in, in the, later in the run and closer to the start of the regular season. 
agree wholeheartedly. I got him at 35 for all those reasons. And if he does start to slip, I'm going to be all over that one. But I think he's a must handcuff if you have Dalvin Cook. Got to have him. All right, moving on. Number 35, Sony Michelle, one of the more frustrating uh, players to own that I had on my fantasy team in the last couple of seasons. Jamie, what are your thoughts and overall trajectory here for Sony Michelle? My thought is that if he's going to have a breakout season, it's going to be on somebody else's team. Uh, I'm just not, I'm just not comfortable. Look, his, uh, I know what his pedigree is, but the, the injury history, the situation with the thousand running backs, his just abhorrent yards per carry as of late. There are just too many things for me that say the bust potential is so high here, even at his current ADP, which isn't anything special, but He's just not going to be on any teams that I have. And I, I wish him the best. Maybe he can break out. Maybe he can have that big season, but he's not going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield, which is going to really depress his value in PPR. And if he's going to continue to be under four yards a carry, uh, I don't know how much value he's going to provide to you in, in the rushing game either. So to me, he's kind of in this, you know, some weeks he's going to be flex worthy. You're never going to know what weeks those are. You're never going to feel comfortable playing him. I just it's, I want it to be somebody else's problem. Absolutely. I'm not touching this with a 10 foot pole. Who's the quarterback going to be? What's the offense going to look like? Are they in the shotgun? Are they not in the shotgun? How much is James White involved? How much is other guys involved? I got him right there in the early 32s as well, but I'm not touching it at all. I agree with Paige. Anybody with an RB next to their name in New England, now that Tom Brady's gone and James White was the only guy I ever wanted to touch anyway, I'm out on all of them. No, thank you. I want no part of that offense until I know what the hell that offense is. I don't even know what it is. I don't know who they're like Jake just rattled off seven questions about the offense. Like, no, thank you. I don't want any part of that. Cause I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen from a fantasy perspective. So Jamie, where you have him makes sense. Cause it's like, yeah, ADP sure at that range. Cause he could break out, but he could also not. Right. And with, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm out on Sony Michelle. All right. Mr. Akers, Cam Akers. Drafted this year, coming into LA, a place where we've gotten to know obviously great running backs. Todd Gurley not there anymore. Jake, where do you have Cam Akers going into this year? I have him at a cautious thirty-four, uh, so okay. very similar to where Jamie has him. But I also have him on my watch very closely for a breakout season list. I really like the player. I think he really fits what they do. He's very Todd Gurley-esque. Same body type, catches it pretty damn good, runs between the tackles. I know they want to focus on that, and I think he ends up being the guy. I think there might be a little bit more of a share early is why I got him down where I have him. I like him more than where I have him. But I think there's going to be a share with Daryl Henderson and the people they've, they've already got there before he really becomes the guy, which I think about midseason he becomes the starter and the, and the focal point of what's going on there. So it's a guy that I want to focus maybe to get later on if he slips but I can't put him any higher than that now because of all the other guys that are there. Couldn't agree more. I think that's my biggest concern is I think by the second half of the year, I mean, I, I can foresee easily with a scenario where he's a low end RB two that you're playing every single week uh, late in your season in your fantasy playoffs, but Dale Henderson's still there and all of the narratives around, I, I like Cam Akers more, but all the narratives that were around Cam Akers now were around Dale Henderson a year ago. I also have a little bit of worry that Malcolm Brown's going to get more goal line work than anybody's going to be comfortable with in fantasy circles. Um, so that could depress his value as well. So I, I like him. He's somebody that if I can get him around, you know, in that spot where Jake and I both have him around running back 34, uh, I will absolutely uh, grab him there because I love his upside. But he's somebody that I think you might going to have to put on your bench for a few weeks before you feel comfortable ever playing him, even in a flex spot. 
All right, we're approaching the top. We're getting into the top 30. We got a couple more here to get into. Number 33, Damian Williams. The top three headlines about Damian Williams right now, if you look up him, if you look him up on Google and see the news, is all about him providing potential sneaky late value. Jamie, do you agree with that sentiment? Because that seems to be a pretty common theme here. Yes, I'm glad finally the rest of the fantasy community is on board with what I've been screaming about since like uh, since the draft. Um, and we'll talk about this later whenever we get into it won't be on this show, but whenever we get into you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But the hate on Damian Williams in the fantasy community is absolutely ridiculous right now. Like he is, I'm trying, I'm looking up right now to see how far he's been falling in drafts. Right, he's barely going inside the top 40 running backs right now which I, I think is a little bit ridiculous. I, I understand where everybody's excited about the upside of Hilaire. And we'll break down why I think Hilaire's rookie season looks a lot like Michelle McCoy's and not like Kareem Hunt's on a different show. Uh, or you can read on draftnetwork.com uh, in a couple of weeks when that article comes out. But to me is, and I, I'll bring back the stat that I brought up on a lot of shows late last season and I brought up on shows this offseason. Andy Reid trusted one running back on his roster the entire season to get 14 or more touches in a game. And that was Damian Williams. Damian Williams had a better case, and we said this on the show, to be Super Bowl MVP than the guy who won it. As great as the guy who won it is. They're not going to completely go away from Damian Williams. He has injury history. He has injury risk. And that is, that is the path for him to lose his job. I understand that. And that's reflected by him being here in the mid-30s, not where he was drafted last season. But to me, I still think he's going to get 160-ish touches this year, even with his injury history. Like I only have him down for 13 games. I still think he's going to be around 160 touches. He's going to be productive with those touches. He's still somebody that's going to have flex value a lot of weeks. And to me, yes, I'm not drafting him ahead of Edward Tillaire, but he also shouldn't be going as far. There shouldn't be this massive difference. Uh, one is getting severely underdrafted. One is getting severely overdrafted. Uh, to me, he's a tremendous value where he's going. Uh, a lot of people are just avoiding him completely. And I, I just don't see this offense, the keys to this offense in the backfield, just being handed over to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the guy. People forget about the circumstances that led to Kareem Hunt being the guy. That wasn't his team to start. They had to throw him in there because they had nobody else and Spencer Ware got hurt. Like, I think this is going to be where both guys get used heavily, but they're going to be a very similar workload and people are drafting one as if he's going to be an RB1 by the end of the season and I still don't see it. A couple easy things. Did anybody watch the Super Bowl? Has anybody watched Andy Reid coach running backs? I got him at 33 as well. And if he's down around 40, man, I'm snatching it up all day long. There's yep. so much value in some of these guys. Just like Akers. I think Akers could help you win your fantasy championship because he's one of those guys that you're going to have on your team. You might not play a lot weeks one through eight. But if you're paying attention, man, when you're getting into that like 12, 13, 14, when it really matters, that's another guy. If Clyde edwards Laren comes in and gets hurt, this is the guy that owes offense is already damn good. He should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Like what else do you need to know? He's going to be involved. Also, just banking on any rookie being just instantaneously handed the keys when we've had this offseason, I think is even more moronic than in years past, right? You've had less time than ever before that has to play a factor. I just, I don't get this one. I don't understand. I'm with you, Jamie. I don't understand the hate here with, with him. Uh, because the consistency and, like you guys have both said, the Andy Reid coaching factor and how he's always coached running backs has to be a part of this. All right, a couple more guys here to get into. 
Mr. Jones, Mr. Ronald Jones. Jake, I'm going to let you take this one first. Jamie has him at 32. I believe earlier in the podcast you teased you had him higher than that. Uh, you're very excited. And if you think he's going to rush for 1,000 yards this season, which you said, I assume you have him higher than 32. So where do you have him? I've got him at 24. Uh, I think he's the feature guy. I think he's going to be in on some third downs. I think he's going to catch passes and be more explosive out of the backfield than a lot of people are expecting him to. He's been working really hard this offseason on that exactly. Uh, I just – he proved to – I know the coaching staff and to a lot of people that watched how good he can be. It's a 100% injury risk that he doesn't get to 24 and then he ends up in the mid-30s other than somebody taking his job. Yeah, to me, it's – his ranking here for me at 32 isn't really anything about – uh, Keyshawn Vaughn at all. It's more about I'm nervous he's going to come off the field on too many third downs. And that would be my only concern because when you start talking about that and if it, if it knocks down his pass catching totals a little bit, he's going to be more of a flex play than he's going to be an RB2. And I think that would be that's my biggest concern is how many third downs does he play? It's not Vaughn. It's not anything else. It's not the offense. Not that he can't do it. It's more of if he comes off the field more often than not on third downs, he's going to really probably put him in the low 30s maybe uh, and, and catches. And at that point, it's really tough um, to be into that, that running back two range. But that's really my only concern. I don't think he's, I don't think he's losing the job unless he gets hurt. Uh, I, I don't think he's losing the job this year. It's possible, but I don't think it's happening. No, I agree with you. I think, to my point, they're a little, it's more likely that they're playing from ahead than 14 behind like they did so many games last year that the carries aren't 16-18, they're 25-26. And then I think you raise up the touchdown total. Uh, it's kind of where I've, I've jumped him up to that 24 range. But you're, you're exactly right, Jamie. It's, if they're playing from behind or if there's a lot of third downs or a lot of two minutes and they're not going on sustained long drives with him running the ball and then they can play action off of that, that's where he would drop. I just think they're going to be playing from ahead, not from behind early like they did all last year. They don't have to throw it as much. And I think he's the, he's the guy that really reaps the biggest benefit from that. Oh, you mean like they're not going to gift the other team uh... – you know, seven to 14 points every game. That's, that would be a good, that would be a good, that would be a good start for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Number 31, last running back we're getting into today is James White. Uh, as we've, I think we've mentioned his name while discussing other running backs, like six other times throughout this podcast, the James White type of running back. We mentioned new England staying away from it. Uh, so Jamie, 31, what's the upside here for, for James White? I mean, I think <laughs> I, I don't know. Big like, sigh. What is the upside? I mean, I guess the upside is maybe he could be running back 24. Like, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't think he's got tremendous upside. He doesn't have the upside he had when, when Brady was here. The offense is going to be different, regardless of who the starting quarterback is. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing in his favor is that he's clearly the best pass-catching running back that they have. Uh, that he can be used in so many different ways. And he can be a safety blanket at, at a pretty low depth of target for quarterbacks that don't want to go down the field too often. I think that's the best case scenario. But to me, I think he's going to probably finish right around where his ranking is. Like, I, don't, I don't see him – I don't see the bottom dropping out. I don't think he's going to – aside from injury, I don't think he's going to be falling out of the top 40 backs. But I don't see him getting to the top 20 either. Like, I think he's just going to kind of be hanging around the mid you know, upper to mid-30s all season, he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to play in flex spots on certain times. He's going to be somebody that's going to maybe crack the top 25 when a bunch of teams are on buys. But this is kind of what he is now. He doesn't have the same PPR upside that he did a couple of years ago when he was fin you know, 
argue, like finishing in the top 10 or was the RB2 that was going outside of it. I, I think this is kind of this is kind of where he is. Like when you see my projections that go up uh, that will go up on Thursday on the draftnetwork.com for premium, you're going to kind of look at it and go, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I expect and that's kind of where I think he is. So he's kind of like boxed into this spot for me. His upside is Jared Stidham being his quarterback because the offense is exactly the same for the most part. He's going to be in on two minutes. He's going to be in on third downs. They're going to have all the film that Jared watched Tom Brady with him last year, and he's going to use him a lot the same way. Maybe not to the extent that Brady did because he's just elite with having a running back stand next to him, but that is his upside. If Stidham's not the quarterback for the season or they're going back and forth or this offense changes to wrap around what Cam's doing, I think I could drop him there, but I agree with Jamie. I don't think his upside is going any higher than I, I have him. I have him at thirty. And I got so into Michelle at thirty-two. I, I don't see any way either one of them are above that. Yeah, uh, I will not own any New England running backs. I have made that declaration. I've done it in the past, and then I've been able to get them later on from a value perspective. But I think now that Cam Newton's involved, I think this is going to create another environment where the hype starts to get out of control and they, people start overdrafting anybody in New England. Uh, I felt like that wasn't going to be the case with Stidham, but now that Cam's there, I think that's we're going to be right back in that scenario where people start to hype uh, and you see the ADP rise on these guys, and I'm just, no thank you. I'm, I'm going to stay very far away from that scenario. We've reached the end of the podcast today. We talked about Cam Newton up at the top for what seemed like five minutes because we could have, it was like 25 minutes, but we could have talked about it forever because there was there's so many variables. And at the end of the day, the word intrigue is the theme of this podcast because that is there's just so many variables, which makes that whole situation and a situation that was already intriguing because quite frankly, not seeing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together was intriguing all on its own. And now you added Cam Newton to the, to this whole dynamic. So there's going to be a lot of reasons to pay attention to new England training camp. Uh, but this is going to just add to that. Uh, and what, and what, what Cam wears to training camp is all of a sudden just my number one intrigue factor also. So that's going to be very interesting to pay attention to. Jamie, parting thoughts on today's podcast. Yeah, uh, my, my parting thought is, is make sure you check out the draftnetwork.com uh, because right now today, all of our, my QB and tight end projections are up for TDM premium members so they can take a look at the top 35 quarterbacks, top 35 tight ends. It, they will be updated with Cam Newton in a couple of weeks. We're going to do kind of bi-weekly updates if you kind of seen the way uh, it's formatted and the design of it. It is, it is pretty comprehensive and pretty uh, – pretty easy on the eyes, I would say. So it's a really nice little guide that comes up there, but it makes it a little bit more difficult to edit. So we're not going to be editing it every day, but I'll have a Cam Newton projection in there soon, but you'll be able to see all the QBs and tight ends there. And then on Thursday, all of the running backs and all of the wide receivers top 80 for both. So it's going to be really extensive. And it will, again, as we mentioned on the shows before, you could take that information, see what you like, what you don't like, what you think is too low, too high, and also apply everything to your league specific scoring settings and kind of create your own custom rankings. And between that, uh, the following week is going to have kickers, defenses, and a top 200 cheat sheet all available as well. Uh, so I, I'm really excited for all of that content. That's going to be both on the free and premium side of the draft network. Yeah, you're going to have to check that out. Jamie's, Jamie's put a lot of work into all the rankings that he's been doing. Jake at the lake, what is your parting thoughts on today's podcast? Pay attention to this running back shows and listen. Every single one of these guys is in a split back though. Listen to how we're talking about how they're going to be used. Are right, there's a pass catching thing? Are you in a full PPR or a half point PPR? 
it's just until you get into the top 15 guys, and even some of them are going to be in split backfields. Uh, and Nick Chubb, I know we're all going to have, you know, in our top 15 somewhere, he's going to – Kareem Hunt's going to take carries from him. So, like, pay attention to these shows because this is going to make or break your season, how deep you go, who you pick up later, and these guys that we're talking about, if they slide, we're very interested in. Because I think it's really going to make your team. I, this is just – it's too important I mean, to the, – the, Really, I mean, even there's, there's only five guys that are going to have not crowded backfields where they're splitting carries with people. And those five are gone the first five picks. Other than that, it's going to be really, really interesting. Yep, that's why I love the running back shows. As much as the, it's fun to talk about quarterbacks, this is like we were talking about meat and potatoes of, of your team, the running back situation. And not, not usually the first guy you get – but the second guy and the third guy and the guys that are going to fill out your bench. And those are the guys that are going to matter. So I liked a lot of, of, of what we did on today's podcast. And I'm frankly just very excited to talk about football and not be moving anymore because moving sucks. And just reminder that never move. It's the worst. Moving absolutely sucks. Uh, Never move in Arizona in June. Yes, I've, never I've done move. it three times. Never do move. That. Yeah, never move during the summer months in Arizona. That was not the best decision. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And Jamie? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And if you are, by the way, a TDN premium subscriber and you're part of the premium Slack channel, check us out because we have both a fantasy football conversation, which is a pretty robust conversation we have with a couple dozen people right now uh, going back and forth on different drafts and strategies. And we also have a TDN podcast page that we just launched. So we can kind of talk about the podcast and uh, some of the topics we've talked about on this show. So if, if you haven't joined, that's another great reason to join. Uh, if you're big into fantasy football, oh, and by the way, our, all our scouting guys are, are in these conversations breaking down. There are film breakdowns in there. Uh, there's a little bit of everything. It's really, really a great thing. So if you haven't joined us yet as a TDM Premium subscriber, do so. And if you haven't, I don't know what you're waiting for. Become one. It's, it's very cost efficient and you get so much more. You have so much content there now between fantasy, draft stuff, and uh, this is going to be a very, very intriguing year for all of those fronts because we, there are a lot of unprecedented things happening in the world right now that could affect the number of games we see, who plays, who all this, you know, from a fantasy perspective, from a college perspective, all that other stuff. So you're not going to be able to find information better uh, than what we have for TD, uh, TDN.com and then our premium subscribers. Um, I'm happy to report there will be 450 scouting reports up on the site for this upcoming draft class in the middle of July. That's an uh, unprecedented. The guys are, the scouts are hustling. They've done unbelievable work. They've all have separate conferences. They're, they have scouting meetings every day. They are arguing about players in June. It's fantastic. They're pounding the table for guys they want on a roster in June. It's been like the scout, the scouts have been doing unbelievable work. And as much as you all know, I like to poke fun at Jamie, and it's hard for me to say nice things really to either one of these guys. Jamie has done an unbelievable job putting together all the fantasy content, and you guys got to check it out on the draftnetwork.com. So as always, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can check out everything that Jamie is doing on the draftnetwork.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.